<laughs> Hi, this is Joshua from the Weird and Suspicious. Uh, this is Kirsten, and we don't have Kyla this week because she keeps getting sick. Kyla is an enigma and a mystery. Honestly, I feel like between her and I, something's always going wrong. The only one of you can be functional <laughs> all the time. And even then, sometimes it's just neither of us. I feel like right now it's neither of us. Probably. I think she has, like, tonsillitis or something. I apologize something for tonsils. the noise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's weird. That's suspicious. All right. There is one thing I did want to talk about, and I kind of forgot it was, but it had to do with aliens. And it had to do with your thoughts on aliens. Well, one of them is, if an alien's going to drop you off, do you think that they automatically drop you off where they took you from? I don't know. I would think so. Because, like, otherwise they're just very randomly dropping you off somewhere. But I could also see them being, like, if we just look at the way that uh, we have done, like, our tests and experiments on other humans, even just, like, those psychological studies and, like... Mm -hmm. A lot of the really interesting ones to me is just, like, how psycho we were back then, where we would, like, take a child from an orphanage and, like, run an experiment and then just send them back to the orphanage. Like, I doubt that they sent them to the same orphanage they came from. They're just, like, take you here, yeet you out somewhere else. Well, I was also thinking, like, when we catch, like, sea animals and bring them back to health and re-release them, I don't think they're putting them back in the same spot. I think they're just no. putting them in the ocean. They just hope for the best. They're like, ah, oh, you can find your family at some point. So is that what aliens are doing to us? Probably, but also, like, how... Because in that theory, like, aliens can find the same spot pretty easily, and maybe people do drop off animals, like, in the same spot, but I feel like... A lot of them that are injured, we usually find, like, in weird-ass places because they're, like, going somewhere to die. Yeah. Huh. It was a, it was a, a thing I heard on a podcast, and then I, I thought about it all day. And then the other thing was, a lot of UFO sightings happen, like, in the desert here. Like, Area 51's in the desert. Mm-hmm. Or in Australia. And they have a lot of desert. Right? The outback is kind of deserty. So is that because they're in the desert more often or because it's harder to hide in the desert? Harder for them to hide or harder for us to hide? Both, maybe. <laughs> I mean, no one's, everyone's exposed. I, I, I meant to them, but I mean, I guess like if you're walking around the desert, there's not very many things that you could grasp onto to stop from being sucked up into the UFO. Yeah, I always feel like it's deserts or like when people are in the ocean or the air where they're like not around a bunch of other stuff or mm-hmm. things or people. Yeah, I can see, like, the not around a bunch of people, because, like, even, let's just say, like, the, it doesn't make as much sense, but even with, like, the ocean thing, like, there's a shit ton of fish, like, at the bottom of the ocean, or, like, towards the bottom of the ocean that we don't really interact with, because it's harder to get to, but, like, theoretically, everywhere on Earth is the same, 
distance, same ability to get to. I don't understand that, but okay, I'll take it. Well, like if, if you're an alien, you can just like oh yeah, it doesn't matter where drop down wherever on the planet. I'm just wondering if maybe they just kind of like the deserts a little bit more. Could I don't be. know. Like if they're from Mars, maybe it reminds them of home. Well, I was also thinking just now, like, like isn't Syria a desert, but of the opposite kind? Or no, not Syria. Siberia. Siberia. Yeah, Siberia. Yeah. Um, Do you like think they an have Arctic as tundra? many UFO sightings? Maybe, but there's not as many people. I feel like more people are willing to live in the desert than in, yeah. like, the Arctic tundra. Yeah, yeah. I would rather live in a desert than the Arctic tundra. It would be a toss-up for me, man. It depends (laughs) on, like, because I prefer being cold over being hot, but, like, some of those places can get really fucking cold. I can't function when I'm cold. Like, when I'm cold, the only thing I can think about is I'm fucking cold. See, I'm, like, the opposite of, like, when I'm hot, I'm just, like, this is uncomfortable. I can feel myself sweating. I want to die. Yeah, yeah. Whereas when I'm cold, I'm just kind of like, this is uncomfortable, but then I just continue about my life. When you're hot and you're sweaty, and then all you can think about is that all your toes are touching. Never say that again. (laughs) Sometimes I'll just text Kyla that just to like, just to upset her. Just to fuck with her a little bit. Yeah, just be like, hey, by the way, all of your toes are touching right now. I can spread my toes apart physically. Yeah, but like... You can't keep them like that for a long time. I'm gonna cramp Your toes are up too my weak. foot trying. <laughs> okay, welcome to the podcast. I don't know what time we're at and where you guys are listening, but we're at six minutes of us recording. I'm gonna try to keep my feet open as long as possible. <laughs> when you hear me collapsing in pain, you'll know that that's where I failed. Yeah, yeah, okay. That would be really funny. All right, we can move on to my story um it is um called for two decades i investigated paranormal reports online for the government and now i'm ready to share what i found that'd be such a fun job one dude that would be a scary job and such a job with such responsibility because like like yeah it's just paranormal stuff but like it's a government yeah that means that real shit's happening if the government's like hey we need you to like take these notes on ghosty ghosts i'd be like ooh not me but like if we were to just start going to investigate paranormal shit it's normal exactly we need to start doing that when is skyla moving back to michigan when her life i think has to fall apart a little bit more (laughs) just a tad (laughs) bit more just like one or two more things go wrong and i think she's coming back (laughs) perfect perfect (sighs) she misses her family a lot so i know that's hard on her it would honestly like she's really good at like making friends and meeting new people but it would be hard to just but it's also like not the same either like and i know like Sometimes, yes, you can make friends very fast, and she's good at making friends very fast, but, like, it's also not the same as, like, friends that you've known for, like, five to ten True. years. True. Friends that you actually know you can trust with yeah. a bunch of shit. You're like, wow, these friends have seen me at my worst, and they're still my friends. Exactly. We're, like, new friends. We don't know if they're bad or not, because we don't know them very well. Okay. Anyways. Anywho. Okay, let me 
give you all some background on who I am and what I do. My real name is not important, but you can call me Frank Kennedy. Wow, what a name. What a name to pick for yourself. I feel he like did the last name Kennedy name. was because of like John F. Kennedy. Yeah, he's like... And then he you used know, the F, Frank Kennedy. He's F. Kennedy is what he is. Oh, no. It all goes back to John F. Kennedy. Everything goes back Everything. to John F. Kennedy. It does. Okay. Um, I started my career in intelligence over 20 years ago at an agency that will not be named. At first, I was just a regular agent, which is a lot less glamorous than you may think. Picture someone who's sitting in an office all day going over various documents, you have to get the gist of it. Now, as I'm sure you know from some of the declassified info that has come out over the years, the United States government has a keen interest in the supernatural. And by the end of the 90s, it was clear that the internet was serving as an incredible means of regular or for regular people to disseminate paranormal knowledge. Thus, it was decided that a new department should be open to monitor the paranormal activity record recorded on the internet and investigate the reports of the strange and unknown that fill up the message boards and forums to this day. So this guy sits on his butt and just reads Reddit all day? <laughs> sounds like, honestly, 90s? sounds like you're going to go insane is what I feel it like sounds that sounds like, like. A, a good job for some people, not me. I don't think I could do that all day. I could do it, but like I couldn't at the same time. Like, I feel like I could do it for a while, but even now, when I try to read, like, Reddit or, like, message boards for a while, I just start, like, dissociating and just, like, brain dead so quick. And we don't know how this guy is, but let's say someone has worked there since the 90s. That's, like, 20, 30 years of this as, like, let's say 40 hours, which they probably do more if they're working for the government. (sighs) Okay. I don't know if I'm impressed, if I really impressed someone or really pissed someone off, but I was tapped to run this new department and I quickly learned, be the only member of this department. What? I have no idea. Maybe they were saying, like, so I he learned is supposed to only- run this department and he's the only person of this department. <laughs> He's in charge of himself and no one else. He said, thus I was in charge of investigating and documenting paranormal encounters online up until recent budget cuts led to my departure or department being axed. Fortunately for me, the government likes to pretend it never dabbles in the supernatural. And thus, as far as the U.S. is concerned, my department never existed. My role never existed. And all things I uncovered never happened. But did you have other people in this thing? <laughs> not, not that there's a record of. I mean, yeah, they do like to wipe the slate clean. Okay. When I, lo- when I took my case files with me, remember that this never existed in the first place, and now I'm going to entertain myself in early retirement by sharing them with you guys. Some of the info in them is going to be vague, and some names, dates, and places may be altered. I don't want to push my luck too far, but all these stories did happen, even if they're officially just the result of someone with an overactive imagination. So, without further ado, I would like to kick off with a case that always stuck with me. The following was a thread created by the advice section of a forum dedicated to DIY and home repair, and it was titled, How Do I Deal with a Screaming Neighbor? 
and it said, hey guys, I've been having a really annoying issues lately, and I was wondering if you had any advice. You guys all helped me, helped me so much <laughs> when I was moving into my new place, and thanks to you guys, it's been great, except for one thing, every night, starting at 10 p.m. until 2 p.m., until 2 p.m. or 2 a.m. Imagine you only you? get... It's gotta be 2 a.m. That's a lot of screaming. Oh my god. I can hear one of my neighbors screaming. It sounds like a woman, but there's never any words and there's never any breaks. And it just starts at 10 and keeps going for about four hours. Yeah, he means yeah, 2 p.m. It's gotta be 2 a.m. Or like... a.m. Yeah, yeah. As I first tried to put it out of my mind, but I can't sleep or focus on anything. It's so loud. What should I do? The first reply said... Why haven't you called the cops yet? A woman is screaming every night and all you can think about is sleep. What the fuck? And then someone else put, sorry, I forgot to mention that in my post. After the first couple of nights, I phoned the police and they said they were busy. but would come around when they could. About half an hour after the screaming stopped, a squad car showed up and I told them what was going on. They drove around the neighbor's houses and asked everyone about the screaming, but apparently everyone else, nobody else heard anything. But it's got to be one of my neighbors. How else would it have happened every night at the exact time? And someone said, are you sure it wasn't a mountain lion? Those could make a sound where that like a woman is screaming. Maybe that's what you're hearing. OP. I don't know. A mountain lion right in suburbs? Redacted. Maybe where he lives. Probably Um, where he lives. So that seems really weird to me. Either way, I think I just need to figure out a way to block out all the sounds so I can get some sleep. After the OP and the comments discussed, or commenters discussed various soundproofing methods in order to block the sound, the thread fell dormant after three days until OP returned with this. Hey guys, quick question. I installed all the stuff you recommended me, but I was wondering if I did something wrong. I swear instead of blocking out all the screaming, it's only getting louder. It's really starting to freak me out a bit. Commenter, what did you do, or what do you mean it's getting louder? It shouldn't. Looking at all this stuff you decided to install, it looks like your room should be dead silent. OP. Well, it's silent for a couple days, and I slept easy, but last night I started up again. Before I would hear it, and it would sound far off, like someone was screaming in the house next door. But last night it was different. It started at 10, and... It was someone screaming right into my ear. I looked around, but I was alone. What? Other commenters. Could you imagine going to, like, on this thing and being like, ooh, DIY projects, and then this is what you stumble upon? Honestly, just, like, <laughs> somebody's screaming in my ear. <sighs> Are you sure this is not something going wrong with your ear? Maybe you should see a doctor. OP, you might be right. I don't think I'm sleeping tonight anyway, so I'll call into work tomorrow and see what's up. Two days passed, and the thread was revived when someone posted in the thread. Hey, OP, any update? I keep thinking about the story. It's a little spooky. And then he said, yeah, I went to the doctor, and he checked on my ears and told me everything was fine. He suggested that instead of going home, I check into a hotel and see if I can get a good night's sleep there. I did just that and basically just passed out a little after 9. I woke up at 10.30 in tears. The voice was back and it was louder than ever. It was inside my ear and I felt like I was paralyzed. I stayed there curled in, curled up in fear for hours waiting for 2 o'clock to come around and the screaming stopped. But it didn't. This time it kept going all into the night into the morning. It finally went away around 8.45 a.m. But I don't know when it'll come back. 
commoner. That's fucked up. Maybe you should go back to the doctor. I wonder if you might be her mental health that's causing it, considering that followed you to the hotel room. Yeah. OP. Man, I don't know. I don't think I'm crazier or anything besides, as weird as it may sound, I kind of want to hear it again. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. Last night, the screaming started to sound different, and the more I focused in on it, the more it seemed almost like I could hear distinct words. It almost sounded like someone is trying to tell me something. It scared the shit out of me, or it scares the shit out of me, but deep down, I know it's, I need to know what she's saying. After a few more days with no words, um, people started to summon him for an update, but the thread died unanswered. Now, this was the first part of my job. After letting the thread run its course, I had to do my own research to ascertain the identity and the the poster and what came of them after the incident. This case in particular took some time. I couldn't find any other accounts with the same username, let alone any sort of social media. I was only able to find a lead by searching through news archives from a city he mentioned. And even when I found a single newspaper article, however, the article's headline still gives me the chills today. Man found dead from blood loss after his ears were cut off. Oh. Yeah. They wanted to stop listening to it. <sighs> they did. Part two. Hello, everyone. Frank Kennedy here again. <laughs> F. Kennedy. Um, F. Kennedy. Back <laughs> at it again. Back from the dead. Just kidding. <laughs> With another case from the days of investigating paranormal online. Nannies are an interesting thing. And on one hand, we trust them to help raise our precious children, hoping that they can be there when we cannot and yet at the same time we are giving our children over to the care of a complete stranger in the case of this nanny the stranger was particularly strange indeed and the following was posted on a generic discussion forum in the mid 2000s in reply to the topic what was your weirdest or creepiest unexplained childhood memory i feel like a lot of mine are just made up and didn't happen that's my assumption too yeah i mean not a lot of them but i feel like yeah, we're not getting into all that. <laughs> That's for a different kind of podcast. Oh, boy. A do therapy I have podcast? A st- yeah. <laughs> I just record me and my therapist talking <laughs> and put it out. Oh, no. <laughs> There'd be a lot of hurt feelings. There'd be a lot of hurt oh, feelings. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, when I was a kid, like six or seven, my family lived in Houston. My parents were well off and they worked for executives for the, or they worked as executives for the same company. Ooh, scandalous. And as a result, they didn't get to spend a lot of time with me as they were always working late or having to, to come in. As a result, they decided to hire a nanny to watch over me, I guess, so that they wouldn't feel so guilty. The nanny that they got was named Jen, and I really liked her right from the get-go. She was very pretty, young, and I remember telling her, or I remember her telling me that she was going to college. It was nice, though. I was an only child, but I always imagined that our relationship was like what I would have an older sister to be. She would pick me up from school every weekend, or every weekday, help me with schoolwork, and then we would play and watch cartoons until my parents got home. I remember overhearing her talking with my parents and them asking if I was behaving myself, but they never had to worry. 
I like Jen so much that I wouldn't have even dreamt of getting her mad at me. I think she liked me too. She always seemed so happy to see me and she used to tell me about all of her life and her childhood. She told me about a friend that she had when she was my age and how they used to spend all day and night playing with each other. It was weird though. She said the two of them hadn't talked in years and then one day she told me that her friend had come back into her life and that she would always talk about him and I remember it made little kid me jealous. I don't think you get jealous of your siblings like that. I feel like you could. You had a crush on your nanny. Oh. I don't know. Also probably had a crush. <sighs> Maybe both. Um, one day she and she came over, she seemed even happier than normal. We were sitting on the couch watching TV and she told me that her and her friend were going to go on a big trip. She seemed so excited and I asked her if that meant she was leaving me and she giggled and said for only two weeks, but she would be back and we could play more. That made me happy, but it turned out to not be the case. After a week that night, my parents sat me down and talked with me. I remember they had a really grave look in their face. They told me that their work had changed and we were going to be moving far away. I asked if Jen could come with us and their faces seemed even more grim. Sorry, I don't think so, champ. I remember my dad saying as he left the room, his voice cracked when he said it. Over the course of the next month, my parents and I packed our stuff and we moved to Denver's, the Denver suburbs. It was really hard at first moving so far away, and I remembered I used to talk about Jen a lot and how I missed her. One day, I was home by myself after school, and the doorbell rang. I opened the door and nearly burst into tears. Jen was here. I was so happy. She was, too. She told me how much she missed me and explained that she had moved to the area and was more than happy to look after me again. That's weird. Yeah. It was odd, though. Yeah, it was weird. Because she told me no matter what, I couldn't tell my parents about her. I was so happy to see her that I swore I wouldn't tell them. All right, I'm just going to say this right here. And I don't know that many children that listen, but I know that there is some. If any adult asks you to keep any secret, don't do it and tell the next adult you see right away, no matter what the secret is. Even if it's to they telling you not to tell anyone they gave you candy tell on them yeah no and uh if you, even if like you don't want to tell them to your parents do a random adult like <laughs> there's a 50 yeah. 50 shot that Just they can them. also help discern if they're a crazy person and you're gonna die <laughs> yeah just like adults shouldn't be asking children to keep secrets that's just weird After that day, she would come over once a week on the days my parents were gone the longest. She told me that I had grown up so much bigger than she last saw me, and after we were done playing for the day, she would give me a test, she called it. She would hand me a heavy metal rod and told me to hold it in both my hands, and then a bright light would flash, and she would take it back. Interesting. I think we are. Stealing the this life went on essence. For a few months. Oh, maybe. With her visiting me and testing me. One day, though, we were sitting on the couch watching cartoons when the front door opened. My parents walked in and my mom gasped. She asked me who I was sitting with, and I told her it was Jen. And my mom walked around the couch and I saw her s- scream. My dad rushed towards Jen and grabbed her hair out of reflex. Jen pulled back and I could feel her scalp. Uh. Ooh, my parents and I froze. As Jen's face fell to the ground with a moist squishing sound. Mm, that nice moist squish. I looked at Jen. She was cover or she covered her face with her hands, but it really wasn't her face. Whatever was behind her hand was a green had green skin. I screamed in terror. Jen shrieked too. 
In a way that sounded totally inhuman, she rushed out to the back of the door and my dad on her heels and managed to get away. When my dad returned, he called the police and they came and took away took away the face that was laying on the living room floor. Shortly afterwards, my parents decided to move again to Oregon and they told me that if I ever saw Jenna, didn't call the police and, re- and refused to let her in. After being made aware of this post, it was my job to find any leads that may corroborate the story. Nothing truly concrete could be found. I was unable to track down OP or his family. However, I was able to find some events that seemed connected to the case. Reports of strange lights around Colorado in 1995 and similar reports from Houston earlier in the year around the same time Houston police found a young woman's body with her face and scalp. She was dead. And they moved because she died. And then her dead ghost So, like, I feel like you wouldn't move followed. if you died, like, normally. But, like, if she was obviously murdered, and she spent a lot of time with his family. If I was a family and had a nanny that was brutally murdered, I would also maybe Well, move. like, unless you brutally murdered them. And also, like, I the dad, like, so grabbing the hair. Like, maybe they I killed her? I think so. Because, oh. like... I don't know, maybe you do move, like, maybe for, like, the mental health of the child, like, don't want somebody to accidentally bring it up or to be hearing about it. I need to know more more about Honestly, but yeah, like, the parents freaking out like that, like, not even, because she was like, yeah, not even just, like, just their reaction to it of, like, yeeting the the girl well yeah but also if it was if like your dead nanny was in your house i'd probably also just like i don't know me but i could feel like some people would maybe try to like snatch her up and be like (laughs) what are you that is fair. Because maybe they thought she was a zombie. That is fair. Cat. I don't know how I would react. <laughs> One, I don't have a child. <laughs> but two, just like... Me either. <laughs> but also, like, uh, the moving away part, I can kind of see. Moving so far, maybe not. Like, I could see moving neighborhoods, uh, completely different states. That part is a little weird. Um, because they also said something happened to their job. Yeah, something's weird. His parents his, are weird. Yeah, Look your parents, parents definitely man. murdered some people. Hello, F. Kennedy here. I was going through my old case files and I found something a little bit different. As you can imagine, when I was first assigned by the U.S. intelligence to monitor paranormal online, I obviously stayed away from series that were posted in places meant for fiction. How many U.S. intelligent groups are there? Yeah, millions. Like, because there's the CIA. Thousands. Isn't the CIA like the mm. main one? He's part was he part Probably. of the CIA? Central the CIA is a big a big one. Association? Is that his hands for? Uh probably. I have no idea. I'm just making Sounds it up. good enough to me. Yeah. I obviously stayed away from stories that were posted in places meant for fiction. It would be silly of me to investigate the stories that people explicitly make up. But what if they weren't made up? In this case, we'll see fiction turned into reality. And one man's dreams turned into a whole town's nightmare. It begins with a story posted on a new deleted account, or now deleted account, on a now closed short fiction subreddit entitled 
Go away. Go away, you little bug. The new subreddit everyone's been looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a oh, it's a real spooky story. I had nightmares since I was a kid. This kind that keep you up all night. Creepies and crawlies, ghosts and ghoulies. Ooh, he calls them ghoulies. Aw. <laughs> These were the things that awaited me every night. When I was a teenager, everything started to change. I grew bigger and stronger, and in my dreams, I became bigger and stronger, and I could stand up for myself, tell the monsters to go away and leave me alone. I feel like I'm reading Mm -hmm. to children right now. Soon, there would be more creepies and crawlies. Soon, I became the creepy and crawly. See, I, 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 I followed... It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I had nightmares <laughs> as, a kid, as a kid, but I gained more confidence, and slowly I could, like, stop having the nightmares, and then more of them came, you know, like, symbolic of more problems in your life, but then it's like, but now yeah. I'm the monster, and how <laughs> old I'm is this kid? Like, <laughs> a teenager, I don't least. want, to, uh, like, the 16-year-old edgy kid to be like, yeah. I'm the creepy crawly now. Oh, no. (laughs) I just imagine that weird kid, like, sitting next to a girl and trying to flirt with her. And then she shuts him down and he's like, well, I'm a creepy crawly. uh, And then she's just like, what? Let's set the stage. (laughs) It's a lunch table. Girl is sitting with her friends. Dude sits right next to her. It's like one of those regular lunch tables that's, like, rectangular with, like, picnic benches. Yeah. Does that, gets rejected, gets told no. And he's like, well, now I'm the creepy crawly. And he just leans back, puts his arms on the floor directly, and just crawls away. Like, skitters off into the other side of the lunchroom. Like crab crawl? But, like, really fast. Because if you're claiming to be the creepy crawly, you've had to have... You You gotta gotta be be really really fast. fast. When Kyla listens to this, she's gonna hate that. (laughs) She's gonna hate it. (laughs) And then the dude just skitters away on to his next uh, girl he wants to flirt with. And then he feet first slides into the Got next it. seat. <laughs> just a little like hop to get his feet over. Just sits up. Honestly, yeah. got to show the core strength. Definitely could not see Honestly, anything going wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Um <laughs> At school, I'd be picked on and bullied, and at night, I could pick on the bully back. Wow. The mean kids could cower in fear as I did to them what they did to me. It felt good. It felt great. It felt like I had all the power in the world. Eventually, the bullies faded away as I became an adult, and I got a job. I got a boss. I hated my boss. I hated him so much, and as soon as I hated the fact that he would show up in my dreams, no, not quite. That's not quite correct. I didn't show up as in my dreams as much as I dreamt his dreams for him. What? Every night I would find myself in his body, seeing whatever shadows and sunshines his mind decided to produce. At first, I was just a passive observer. Soon, I started to change things. No longer were his dreams about tropical vacations and big promotions. Now they're about monsters and things lurking in the night. One day, he was really mean and yelled at me for half an hour for something that wasn't even my fault. (laughs) And I was so mad that that night I put all my energy into his nightmare. This time, I would torment him with something so abstract. This time, it would be something real. He got 
to dream that night of his wife divorcing him, taking their kids, and running off across country. It was a good night for me, at least. The next day, my boss came in, whiskey hanging on his breath, while his head hung between his hands, hovering just above his desk. Halfway through the day, he came up to me and told me that he was leaving, and I asked why. After swallowing his pride, he told me that he woke up to an empty house, safe for a note from his wife telling him that she was leaving with the kids and would never come back. I was floored and I was thrilled. I knew it was no coincidence. I knew that I did this to him and I knew that I could do it again. From the dream weaver in whatever dream I can turn your life into a living Sociopath. Like, I understand not liking your boss and, like, boss Dudu Garbo hope that they get fired. But being like, yeah, I hope that his wife and kids will leave him. And then when it happens, because he was just, he didn't know. Like, he was yeah. just giving the yeah, nightmare. Yeah, he didn't really happen. But then finding out yeah. it happened and being like, I'm going to do this to other Ooh. people now. Yeah, I would do. I would do it to where, I, like, I make people give me their money so I can. Get Hon- a new honestly, everyone, please donate yeah. to uh, Kirsten. Just find her house and leave money at the doorstep, um, yeah. so she can get a new car. I need a new car because somebody it. rear-ended you, and then you rear-ended somebody because of that rear-ending. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh... a fun time. What I was going to say is not please, <laughs> please just. The story didn't gain much traction, but that didn't deter the OP. After a week, he later produced a next installment. Dream Uber Part 2. My old bully appeared to me today. He's a cop now. And mean cap. He pulled me over for going five over the speed limit and gave me a ticket, laughing about how I was a big loser as ever but he didn't doesn't know and didn't know that i am a dream weaver and he doesn't know that i have the anger that has given me the will poisoned poison his dream tonight he also didn't give you very good english no in world tomorrow that night i dreamt of a terrible scene a drug deal beginning being busted it wanted felon who couldn't afford to get caught and the bullet rips through Billy, bully's legs shattered into a million pieces he cries in pain it let it was music to my ears the next day something ripples through the town a collective unseen that is not put into words not until that night when the local news broadcast a cop was killed that morning i was careless i was clueless i did not realize that the bullet would rip his artery just just like his bones too much blood was gone in the time the ambulance showed up they were looking forever did it but i did it i killed a man i should have been strangled by my guilt i felt joy i felt elation and i could not only ruin a life but i could end one too i'm a dream weaver and whatever dream i weave i may just be your last three weeks passed dream weaver part three I've never liked school. I don't know why. I never liked children. I don't know why. Yet every day passed by on this stupid yellow bus. Yet every day they yell and scream at the nearby playground. And every day my annoyance grows. I don't know why. I have no real reason. Yet I did. Yet I did. The valley just outside the town. I feel like this one's going to be bad. 
vast and steep. The valley outside the town was horrifically deep. Okay, are you a fucking poet yes. now? The road barely has a barricade. The road barely has a barricade. The yelling and screaming at children fill my dreams, laughing with glee. Suddenly, the yelling and screaming stops as the bus didn't make it, didn't make the turn. The yelling and screaming starts up again, lit, louder and terrifying. Then it stops again. This time, I didn't have to wait for the school local or for the local news at six. It dominated the airways. Forty-eight children, all in the hands of a bus driver who chose the worst time to have a heart attack. No survivors, no survivors. I laughed. I laughed. While the whole town weeped, I only laughed from the Dreamweaver. I can end dreams easily as I created hmm. them. Following the tragic bus crash in Montana, local law enforcement found these stories, and while they concluded that they were just ramblings of a crazy local who spent too much time reading the news, the stories did eventually find their way into my hands. While I was looking over them, I found one final story posted. <clears throat> They found me today. On the way home from work, they caught up to me. The men in the black suits, the red ties, they were scared of me. I saw the way their hands trembled. I heard their voices cracked. They took me down a back road. No one around for miles. They put again against my head. They put again against my head. They opened a suitcase full of money. The choice was mine, they said. The choice was mine, they said. Why do you repeat yourself so much? Four, they said, I was the dream weaver and the dreams I weave could make the dreams of a country come true. I could dream away dictators and despots. I don't know what that is. Despots? I don't fucking know. I could dream away radical left and extreme right. I could dream consent and I could dream condemnation. I could do all of this or I could refuse and feel hot lead make me dream my last they were scared of me. I was scared of them. Together, we could have dreams forever, for I am the dream weaver, and I shall weave the world into a beautiful tapestry. Now, as hard as this may be to believe, I do try to remain skeptical. You obviously don't want to waste the government's time in a wild goose chase, and I mean, it certainly doesn't make it easier to sleep at night. I definitely didn't want to entertain the idea that someone had both the power to send bustles of children off a cliff and lacked enough conscience to actually do it. However, for the sake of thoroughness, I put a request in to investigate the man behind the stories and make sure he was just a nut job. However, the response I got from the agency was deeply unsettling. It simply said that he was already in contact with the agency and I should just close the case file and, and any attempt to find more about him could lead to prunative actions. So, punitive actions? Like, I, I think punitive is, like, legal. Oh, okay. So I'm afraid this is all I have got for you. I think this is this about this case a lot. I'm not going to lie. Every time I watch the news and some elected official suffers a tragic accident and some elections is won by very last-minute voters, and whenever I have a nightmare that just feels just a little too real, I think about the Dream Reaver and children down my spine. Ugh. I mean, somebody that could fuck with reality is uh, the last person that you want to know exists. Yeah. But definitely a bit of an odd one. Mine is the disturbing deaths of Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon on their La Pianista. La Pianista? La Pianista. That's what it is. Hike in Panama. I'm making it up, but that just sounded correct. Um, 
I can barely pronounce my own name correctly. That's half fair. Time, that's so. fair. I actually don't know your last name. I that's fine. do, but I can't remember it because I want to say someone else's last name. That's a Kirsten. Oh, my last name is Rumsey, and I feel like you should know my last I name. I definitely agree, but I'm currently not in the soberest mindset, so. That is fair. Two Dutch women, Chris Kremers, 21, and Lisa and Froon, 22, went on a five to six hour hike. Um, they had come to Panama to study Spanish and volunteer to work with children in the community. Their remains were found two months later in mysterious circumstances, with the authorities claiming it was an accident. While Dutch private investigators who were working for the family were convinced that foul play was likely to be involved. So, their trip to Latin America. After saving for some time to go on a graduation trip, on March 15th, 2014, Dutch students Chris Kremers and Lisanne Froon got on a plane to Amsterdam Airport, got on a plane at Amsterdam Airport to travel to Costa Rica and Latin America. From there, they traveled to Bocas del Toro in Panama. They spent some time on the coast learning some Spanish and enjoying the local food and drink, and met two Dutch travelers who were visiting the area at the time. Two weeks after arriving in Panama, on March 29th, they moved to Boquet, a city on the west side of the country. So, I was going to say something about them learning Spanish after they already got there, but, like, they... I don't know. Like, they went there not knowing Spanish, and they just, like, picked it up while they were Yeah, there. but they had come to, like, study Spanish and volunteer to work for uh, school. Oh, that's a that's Yeah, a but they also said, oh, okay. I don't know why my brain put together this. They spent some time on the coast learning some Spanish and enjoying. I thought of, like, they spent some time on the beach, and I thought that they were just learning Spanish from random people on the beach. You know what? If that's not the way to do it... Yeah, I was gonna make the argument, like, that's not a bad way to learn, but also... You gotta learn from the locals. gotta learn from the the beach people. Gotta get that surfer-slang Spanish. Oh, if there's a surfer slang for in Spanish, I wonder. There's if gotta is. be. Is there a calabanga oh, in Spanish? God. <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> um, Boquet's a small mountain town in Panama, located in the westernmost province. Because of its elevation, it's a pretty cool area compared to the lowlands. And um, it's a very popular, like, touristy area for people that just want to come visit. And then a lot of people will go there to retire. Uh, Panama. Panama. Panama, like, Yeah, like the South American country. All right. Isn't there also a Panama? Uh, Probably. But, uh, I mean, I guess I could be learning Spanish. There huh? is. There's a Panama, there's a Panama City in Florida. I always think of Panama, though, like, the I country. I also always I think of the country, and this is definitely, uh, the country. 
not Florida. A lot, a lot of shit happens in yeah, Florida. Yeah. That, not this one. <sighs> a lot of shit does happen in Florida. Um, they arrived in Panama on March 15th for a six-week vacation, four of which was to be spent living with a host family while they, while they volunteered teaching the local school teaching the local school children, and then learning Spanish. But when they arrived at their host, at the home of their host family, they were told that their jobs were to start in a week rather than immediately as they had expected. So they decided to take time and explore the area around Boquette while they waited for their job to start. Nothing, uh, nothing to worry about, about to young recently graduated girls exploring a country they don't know for a week because their job hasn't started that's perfectly fine um on april 1st they left boquette in good weather and mid at mid-morning to hike the la piñasta trail and up and down path hence the name i don't know what that means in spanish me either. I'm so bad at Spanish. I try. And I, I can't. know church Spanish. You know church, church Spanish. Spanish. Spanish that was used in church because that was the only time I had actual like a lot of people speaking Spanish that I was around. Did was mo- like was it a Spanish? Yeah, my church? direct church wasn't, but anytime we had like events or we would go to Chicago or any of that kind of stuff. It was all Spanish translated into English. Okay. Like they would have a translator speaker. So you only know the Bible in Spanish? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know the Bible in any language. (laughs) Me either. I used to read it, but none of us Obviously. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. According to the driver, <laughs> um, it was mid-afternoon. Oh, sorry. I skipped a sentence. They had planned to hike this to the summit um, around eight kilometers from the city, and a taxi dropped them off at the start of the trail. According to the driver, it was mid-afternoon, but the evidence from the ladies' cameras suggested that it was around 11 a.m. It should take a reasonably fit person two and a half to three hours to reach the summit so round trip it was like five to six hours they had posted on facebook about going to explore the area and meeting up with fellow dutch travelers for brunch that morning a lot of dutch people in panama that's what i was wondering is that like a hot spot for them to go to apparently man oh they took with them a dog from the village and set out so they just yeeted with a dog or was it like somebody's pet that they're like do you want us to take it for a walk i think it was a stray ah that's fair i don't think i do know that like i mean depending on the country but not all countries domesticate animals like we do that's fair because yeah like so like in serbia they don't have pets they just kind of exist they're just strays. No one like homes cats hmm. or dogs really. Like there's a couple of people obviously. Like for the most part. For the most part, it's a lot of Fair. strays. Uh, they set out on the walk with light clothing. They were just in tank tops and shorts. 
I thought you said white, and I said, why are you hiding? Actually, uh, there's a couple of pictures, and one of the girls was wearing a red and white striped shirt and really white uh, shorts. So basically, it was white clothing as well. Um, hmm. But they had a backpack with their passports, a water bottle, a cannon, power sh- This is written like an ad. A Canon PowerShot SX270 digital camera. Around 80 bucks and their cell phones. I feel like I've heard of this before. The story? Yeah, it is is one that I have heard of before as well, but I found like a pretty... This article. Anyway. Um... The area beyond the trail is very steep, rugged, and dangerous, particularly during that April to October wet season where they become pretty treacherous. But either way, Lisan and Chris reached the summit around 1 p.m., and for some reason, they decided to keep going. Normally, tourists turn around at this lookout point at the top of the Pediasta Trail. I'm going to... I'm gonna mess that up every time. I'm sorry. That's I. I'm gonna try to catch myself and just say trail from this point forward. Anyway, to walk the same path back uh, down to the city, there are signs placed here and um, warning people not to keep walking further without a guide because there was such a treacherous trail like up ahead. It says that they had looked up the trail on the computer a couple of days prior to the hike and may have and may have thought they still had time to walk on towards a waterfall deeper in the jungle. So it's like maybe they were just like, oh yeah, like we got here at 1 p.m. We have plenty of sunlight. Let's go a little bit further to find a waterfall yeah. in a death hike area. Well, like, and me, I would think that they, like, Panama's closer to the equator, so they get more sunlight year-round than we They might even so be open later. I wouldn't be... Lightly. Yeah. Like, here, you'd be like, <laughs> 6 o'clock, we gotta get going, and mm-hmm. the sun's about to set, but that's not something you'd be worried about That is there. fair. Oh. Uh... There are signs placed in the spot. Da, 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 da. They were not equipped for a prolonged period in the forest. They had no food or survival gear. And hikers who plan to go off into the more adventurous areas usually pay for guides and take specialist equipment and supplies to last for days, including tents, food, and rainproof clothing. Yeah, because, like, I don't know. Uh, is there a rainforest yeah. there? Like it, it's all like okay. jungle and rainforest. <sighs> the thought of going on a hike through the rainforest solo without a guide just seems so, like, and like to if it's like someone like me, like that doesn't know anything, I'd be like, that's stupid. Yeah, and it's do just that. Like, maybe that hike isn't bad because I mean they did it in the three hours. I just feel like it'd be so easy to get lost in a, in a rainforest. But like, if it is a, I'm not victim blaming. We're victim here. blaming. I, How like... did you get lost <laughs> in the forest? Kirsten would like to know. 
Yeah. No, no, no. Um, it just seems like such a... When was uh, this? 2014, like not that long ago. Oh. Huh. I feel like that's such like something someone something would do in like before the 2000s. Like just go off and be like, let's do it. Because like people were hitchhiking and all these crazy things back then because they just didn't know the Yeah, of it. but also like... Yeah, they do say like it is. It was probably as dangerous, but it went unreported. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm probably wrong in thinking this, but I feel like unless you're like hiking in local woods of your hometown, that you need to bring an expert with you. And I know that's not true, but in my head, see, I see like the local. Uh like people going to help you whatever i feel like it's more for like the weather or like if it was like a crazy thing if somebody was like hey let's go hike in these random woods in kalamazoo or like even like battle creek whatever i wouldn't feel as worried about rather than like even just like up north where it's like deep in the woods or something i wouldn't even go do that kyla and i went on a hike in kentucky but it was a trail that was recommended by someone that I knew. That's fair. So it's not like we just found a trail and was like, let's go hike it. Well, as stated previously, we did that uh, in Canada. And that didn't turn out well. I guess I've done it in Canada. I guess I have done it in Canada. But I didn't like it and I was scared (laughs) the entire time. And uh, feared for my life. Yeah, I was also with a stranger that I didn't know. Oh, I, I feel like things. this was the first story you told me. <laughs> yeah! And I left him there. Yeah, this is <laughs> the very yeah. first time I met Kristen. She told me about a dude that she left and abandoned in Canada on a road trip. Abandoned him, but... <laughs> she is like, oh yeah, go pee in the woods. I'll be here waiting for you. And she just <laughs> drove off. We have no idea what happened to him. She waited until they were miles away from town. (laughs) Until we were out of the country. Not even in Canada. (laughs) I dropped him off in Toronto at a hostel, and I said, have fun. I'm going home. Why? Wait, why did he have to be dropped off at the hospital? Oh, I thought you said hospital. I'm like, uh, (laughs) oh, what did you do to him? (laughs) At least you left him at a, a place no, no, no. that he might be able to survive. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna leave him just like in the middle of nowhere, or, like in the middle of this. Street. I feel like that's something that you would do. <sighs> I've done it, but not in a weird place. Uh, where was I? Okay. Did you later that evening on April first, the dog's owners were alarmed when their dog returned without any sign of the two women. Okay, so the dog did have owners, and yeah, they probably sent the dog with them. Could as, be, like, yeah, definitely. Um, like the host, family yeah, or, or even whatever. just like a friend of the host family, or just who knows. People are nice in other countries. People are yeah. very friendly. Yes. Uh the women who report the women were reported missing <laughs> two days later. On April 3rd, after the family they were staying with and a local guide who was due to take them to a national park nearby on April 2nd grew concerned. 
So they had a guide lined up for the other national park. But this one was supposed to be much smaller, I mm -hmm. guess. I guess less of a trail. Oh. This is why I don't go hiking. <laughs> this is the reason. All of these stories. Um, after they were declared missing, authorities put dog teams on the ground and helicopters, but initial searches proved fruitless, even with the help of local residents. Um, on April 6th, their parents, together with Dutch detectives, flew to the city and started a larger search with specialized search and rescue teams, as well as sniffer dogs, which went on for a further 10 days. But still, nothing. There was no sign of the women or their belongings. And the parents were offering a $30,000 reward. Um, Lizanne was known to have asthma and complained to her host family of shortness of breath. Her asthma, paired with the altitude change and panic caused by being lost, may have impacted her ability to survive the ordeal. Um... Then the discovery of the backpack. Ten weeks later, on in June of 2014, a local woman found the backpack in a rice paddy on the bank of the Serpent River near the village of Alto Romero, around 10 miles from Bouquet and 5 miles from the summit of the trail. It was estimated that it was an eight-hour walk from their last known location, and the village was in a very remote area, which would have been difficult to reach on foot. Around the same time, Chris's jean shorts were discovered on a narrow piece of land between two fast-flowing and powerful tributaries. The... Nobi people who found the shorts said they found them zipped and folded and placed on a rock high above the water. Police from the Justice Department picked up the pack from the woman using a helicopter. They assumed it had drifted into the area in the river, but the backpack's contents were dry and undamaged, and the bag looked in good condition despite weeks in the jungle or river. Furthermore, the finder said that she was sure the pack was not in the location the day before. Heavy rain had hit the area in the prior few weeks, so it would have be expected that everything would be soaked through, suggesting that it had been placed yeah. there prior to its discovery. I didn't hear about the rain part. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, like, they... Well, the rain had hit like a few Better weeks prior, and so it's just like, this shit could not have been in the rain, like. Yeah, it, could, yeah. it didn't get wet at all. Yeah. Crazy. Which, I heard about that, and I was like, oh, river seems weird, but I didn't hear that it rained at all before that, which makes it even more weird. Uh, yeah, it's just like a crazy... Like, it it had to be somewhere. Somewhere so dry. dry, kept by um, someone. Oh, one second. Hmm. 
the pictures on the Canon Power Shot, another advertised for the camera, and the mystery missing picture 509. A key piece of evidence that was discovered uh, was the discovery of Lee Sands Canon Power Shot SX270 camera with over 100 images on the digital memory card. In addition to the passports, cell phones, sunglasses, cash, and their bras when the contents of the backpack were searched. There were 133 consecutive photographs found, with only one mystery shot missing, image 509. The camera has no GPS location option, so investigators could only establish or guess the location of the photos based on the surroundings that were visible to them. The first pictures on April 1st were just standard tourist shots with both the women laughing and smiling on a bright sunny shiny day with some selfies taken at the overlook of the divide. Most of the pictures were taken by Lisanne with Chris walking ahead of her on the trail. Then we see the girls apparently following an indigenous trail near a creek or stream bed heading downhill away from their destination. Chris' face on one of the shots showing anxiety with sunset around 6.40 p.m. in the rainforest. So the sun does set kind of early. Yeah, 6.40, so like almost 7, but... That is pretty early. I guess I lied. You are a liar. It also could be because of the rainforest. Usually, like, it gets darker in the forest sooner. That makes sense. Um... Image 508 is the last photo taken by Lisa and Chris, but there are two versions of the photo. Number 508, one shows in its metadata, which was taken eight seconds after the photo, number 507, but another version of the same photo states that this last photo of Chris looking backwards was taken more than 50 seconds before the previous photo of her passing the creek. So this anomaly could be photo manipulation by someone. No more daytime photos were made on April 1st after the last stream picture on picture number 508. So maybe they tried to return to Boquette at this point, but were intercepted. I'm trying to figure out what this is saying about the photos. They took 90 photos in three hours. Oh, so they were just kept taking photos... I think they were taking photos as of, like, documentation of, like, hey, this is not necessarily of, like, because they're dark out. I'm looking at some of the pictures. It's dark out. It's th- this one's really weird. This one picture uh, with the sticks and the leaves kind of intertwined on a rock. That one's kind of strange. Um, I think some of these are just kind of, like, to show... Like little um, landmarks. To I think get the fl- back. I think it's, or I think it's kind of just for so for the, so the flash would go off. That so could see. be too. But then why was there such a big gap? Is one of the weird things between the two photos. Wow, that's a mystery that I can't weird. solve. Um, Dutch specialists have tried to undelete the missing photo, which normally is not a challenge when it's manually deleted, because pressing the delete button does not mean the whole file is actually erased. 
However, experts failed to recover the missing photo, and it would be impossible for the camera to skip a number by accident when shooting photos. Did somebody connect the camera to a computer and erase the photo to make it irretrievable? Because that would be the only... uh, They couldn't have deleted it on the camera itself. Because otherwise they would have just been able to find it. Um, says perhaps the girls themselves manually deleted this photo and then subsequent photos had overwritten the deleted file permanently. But when a manually deleted photo is overwritten by new photos, there's often normally at least a fraction of the deleted photo to find. And having no trace of it is uh, suspicious at best. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> especially with it being so early, like 2014 is no. not that long ago. It is plausible that the authorities took the photo off of the camera themselves because something was on it they didn't want the outside world to see. Maybe its content was at odds with the controversial accident scenario that they put forward. Um, because they still claim, like, ah, they it was an accident. Yeah. Um, the Dutch investigators, however, were almost certain that somebody deliberately deleted number 509 permanently for unknown reasons, probably with the help of a computer, since it's between the normal daytime photos of April 1st and the mysterious night photos of April 8th. It could be a very important picture. So they were alive for at least a week in the woods. Yeah. That is so uh, terrible. Um, of all the holiday photos taken, the two women made on their holiday, investigators did not find any deleted photos. In addition, the memory card had plenty of space left. The emergency services call started around this time. Coincidence? Maybe, but probably not. Um, the travel channels, Lost in the Wild, A Hiked into Hell, featured the disappearance of Chris and Lucanne. Um, the presenters Kinga Phillips and J.J. Kelly showed in a simple manner that if Chris and Leanne had removed 509 manually any time before the first nighttime photo was made, it would have never been known that it had been deleted because the next time, the next picture would have automatically been 509. Okay. I don't know if I read that clearly. But basically, like, if they had taken a photo and, like, wanted to delete it immediately, then they would, then it would have just started, like, from 509 rather than skipping to 510. So they had to start taking other pictures because it would have used that 509 slot. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, they deleted it after they took a second photo. Yeah, exactly. And, like... If it was, if you're gonna delete the photo, I feel like it would be right away, or maybe when you get home, but not while you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Lost. I don't think you're really going through and. She's like, "Oh, you got my button back. Can you delete it?" <laughs> oh lord. Um, the strangest pictures on the camera, and perhaps the ones of most interest, were 90 photos 
taken on April 8th between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. Many in complete darkness with rain falling. Some were taken a few seconds apart and others up to 15 minutes later. Several shots appear to have been taken deliberately as they were not blurred, indicating that they were not taken under duress. At this point, the girls had been in the rainforest for a week. Some internet sleuths have speculated that the women were trying to use the camera as a light source in the pitch black, or perhaps to signal potential rescuers or even scare away wild animals. So, it was, uh... Yeah, your well, theory. My, my your theory. theory. Yeah. Um, but it says analysis of the shot shows that many are taken below foliage and not in the open. And if mm-hmm. they were trying to attract attention or like scare away things or even use it as light, you would take it kind of like up or like in the middle or something rather than... Uh, yeah, just a random shot of the ground. My only thing is, my next thing is, like, maybe they were trying to, they were hearing something, so they were trying to get what they were hearing. And on that Ooh, is, that yeah, that's spo- very spooky and something that I can think of as well. Uh, I think it might happen. Anyway, a single close-up seems to show a wound to the right side of Chris's head in the temple area and blood on her hair. Lisanne may have been using the camera to offer clues to subsequent rescuers where Chris was if she needed to be left behind because of injuries. Oh, but it looks like her eye. Ew, I don't like that picture. Some of the shots appear to be oriented upwards, while others show ravines and gorges and even man-made structures, most likely to be a cable bridge. These bridges are very dangerous, especially in rain. One photo seems to show a bridge three miles from Boquette on the western bank of a tributary that forms the headwaters of the Culver River. This is where the girls is trying to follow the river downstream, as advocated by many survival guides. Analysis of call records on the iPhone owned by Chris show her trying to reach emergency services in the Netherlands at 4.39 p.m. on the day that they went missing, April 1st, using the Dutch emergency hmm. number 112. So the they were lost for a week, and the first day before the sun even they set, tried they tried to call emergency services. services. They tried to call 911 at 4 p.m. on the day that they went missing. Which was not that long after they were gone. Yeah, because it was like a three-hour hike anyways. Yeah, so they got there at like 1 p.m. They got to the summit, and so it was like three hours after they got to the summit. And so like they did kind of press past onto that one trail, so maybe that's when they noticed that they were like, lost but it still seems super early to call 911 I mean if after 3 hours you're not recognizing 4 hours you you're not recognizing where you're at and you feel like you might be lost and you're like we should be back by now yeah. I would call That I is would. fair 
if you're like lost, lost, might as well just get it over with. Especially if I was in a different country that I was unfamiliar with, I would definitely call that soon. That I'm also like, I feel like now we know stuff that in 2014 still wasn't known of like when to get help, I guess, in situations. Like yeah. That. Um, they tried calling uh that 112. Then they tried calling the Panamanian emergency number using 911. Due to poor receptions, their calls weren't connected. And it also stipulates like the 112 number works in Panama and if not automatically uh, transfers to the emergency line of the country the phone network is in. Um, That's smart. So like they definitely like it should have worked. Um, They subsequently turned their phones off and then tried calling 14 hours later on April 2nd. Both phones were used to make calls, on, and on one of these calls, they made a connection at 6.58 a.m. Lisa and Samsung connected for just one to two seconds on the 112 number, but the call quickly failed, and 36 seconds later, the phone was again switched off. That sucks. Yeah. And they never uh, managed to get connection again, despite trying several times. On April 6th, five days after their hike began, Lee San's mobile phone stopped working, presumably because the battery went dead. Chris's phone was turned off until April 18th, when it was activated at 10.51 and stayed on for one hour and five minutes. This was the last time the iPhone was used. On day six, when Lisanne's Samsung battery had failed, someone had tried to access Chris's iPhone, but the pin was incorrectly entered. It claimed... That part to me is weird. It claimed that 77 attempts were made to access the phone between April 7th and 10th. Thoughts. What if it was her friend? Because they had already died. If something happened to her... She couldn't get into it, so she, like, her friend, her phone's fucked, so she's like, okay, I'm gonna turn her phone on and try to get into it, but she didn't mm-hmm. know her friend's code. And share your code with your friends, people. So, yeah, it could be if, uh... But also, uh, phones are set up to where you can call 911 without unlocking the phone, so... so why were they getting into the phone? Maybe not. That is very yeah. true. Um, following the discovery of a back the backpack in June 2014, this is now like again months later. Um, a local guide with the help of six native Nobi people found bone remains, jean shorts, and two different shoes along the river shortly before June 19, 2014. The jean shorts were found 14 hours of walking distance from the backpack on top of a rock on the opposite side of the bank of the river, at least eight walking hours from Moquette. Some witnesses claimed that they, in fact, found the jean shorts not neatly folded at all, but floating in the river itself. But again, the main people that turned it in claimed that it was folded and just sitting on a rock. But folded, folded. like they had been put down. Like intentionally placed there. Like, I'm going to go swimming really quick, like... Something like that. I don't know. 
or, or someone else purposefully yeah. putting them there. The bone remains were found on June 19th behind a tree in the vicinity of Alto Romero and away from the river. Lisanne Froon's left foot was found intact and in her wildebeest booth, showing multiple fractures of the metatarsals. DNA tests later confirmed a match. I think your metatarsals are like your upper toe, right? Like, um, like basically that first top part of your foot, like a little bit down, but like, ugh. But her foot was essentially cut yeah, off. Yeah, her foot was, was, and this was like months later, so decay might account for it, but. A decay is not yeah. lose your whole body from your foot. The laces were still tightly laced, and it also still had a sock inside the boot. The foot, which still had some skin and flesh on it. The shoe with the foot was found upstream. Forensic analysis showed that the cut of the bone of the foot was surprisingly clean, and no blood was found on it. But there were no signs of cutting, hacking, gunshots, or teeth or clawing marks. Huh. So it was like a clean cut Could through you... the bone. After she was dead. Yeah. There was no blood. But there was no like. Could you just rip someone's foot off of them? Maybe if it broke. After they died? That still seems crazy. Like it still seems aggressive. Like for why? Like maybe what is they, the when they say no signs of cutting, it's like no signs of sawing. Maybe like something did like slice through it. I don't know. Because I'm also just thinking like, okay, she was already dead. Maybe it wasn't anything crazy. They just took her foot off her body. But like, why are you taking her foot off of her body? Yeah. Right. This gets a little bit too much detail, so I'm gonna kind of gloss over it. Yeah, yeah but basically, bad. they... Isn't there a bone that's found, like, Yeah, and, like, skin, whatever. Anyway, um, they found, like, body parts that were in too early stage of, a, of decomposition. Because this now is in August, like, late August. So, four or five months later. And that's from Lisanne. But in contrast, Chris's... Um, bones were like fully bleached and they found that the even like the bone marrow had begun to dry mm, the bleaching part I mean is that something that could happen yeah naturally? it would happen naturally sun... but um yeah no the bleach is like that happens to bones naturally but um just the fact that like her bones were like so roughly decomposed and like clean. already like well like clean just bones now compared, compared to, to her friends bones. that looked like fresh well and also they were saying because lisa was the one right that had the iphone it was so let's say even Chris, if she it was chris's first. iphone that so oh chris so I guess could that have died sense if yeah chris was dead sooner I don't think I don't think a couple of weeks is really gonna change how fast someone Yeah, unless like she person, she somehow but... lived that long, but 
Either way. Um, so sad. Initially, neither of the teams could, could provide a cause of death. The Dutch police conclude, ended up concluding that the deaths were likely an accident, but some of the Panamanian police and the Dutch private investigators strongly believed that the deaths could be foul play, considering some of the strange evidence. I will agree um, with that. In Panama, the case was officially declared a homicide. Sorry, I accidentally scrolled up. And a crime against personal integrity. And um, by Panama's Attorney General in the Judicial State Report, but later in October of 2014, two forms of the Panamanian state officials described the death as a case of abduction. Um, I don't disagree. Yeah. It says, when the Panamanian forensic teams failed to come to a definitive and official conclusion... They ended up being closed and considered an accident. Is that a spot where people are often going missing? No, but it could be, I think. Do you think people are going missing that people just aren't reporting because, like, no one Well, that and also, like, maybe not a ton of people go, but when you do go, like, it's pretty easy to get lost. To get lost versus, like, it kind of seems more malicious than that, than just getting yeah, lost. Yeah, no, it definitely does. It kind of seems like, what is it? Fucking last, or hills Oh, yeah, like they... I don't know. I'm just, I don't know if that's exactly what I mean, but... Like, they are lost, and there's, like, mountain people that found them and killed them. Yeah. Um... So yeah, according to officials, it was just like, ah, they got lost, Chris fell first, Lisa intended to her, then photographed her remains in the dark and continued until she also fell, broke her ankle and foot, or perhaps fell into the river, like, somehow died after. So, like, they are saying, like, Chris died first, and Lisa somehow died after. And, and their, their backpack, backpack fell off and stayed, and stayed dry. dry. Um... Dutch pathologist Dr. Frank van de Groot was skeptical of this explanation. He said, there's no way to get lost. You don't actually need a guide with regards to the official theory that they both got lost. And then um, responded to another theory of them falling off a monkey bridge and being washed away. And uh, van de Groot said, there's no way they would never go on it. It's one of those like cable bridges that are really dangerous. It's like, I don't know. Would you go get on a cable bridge that you found walking in the woods? No, but I've been on a cable bridge for a guided tour before and I didn't question it. I could definitely see, though, like if you've been lost for a while and it's like sign of humanity that isn't rainforest, like it's not much, but like maybe people come here. Yeah. Um. But anyway, in regards to the nighttime pictures on the camera, Frank said, "Yes, I saw them. They are creepy. They're," uh, he said, "they're Blair Witch Project. The part of the jungle out there is known by the guides as Jungle Hell. Past the Continental Divide, people die up here. When you're out in daytime, in daylight, there's no problem. 
when you're out in the dark, it's game over. You haven't seen the cable bridges. I'm in a mountaineer. You're a full mortal on that bridge. So it's like you feel like you're going to die the entire time you're out there. Yeah. Um. Says strange that one of their bags it says appears at first sight that both women died because of the difficult and dangerous condition but there was some was there something more sinister at play for a start the strange it was strange that their bags were found from the river without water damage but if foul play was involved why weren't their valuables stolen because people aren't always murdering for value sometimes they're just murdering that is true Serial killers don't usually steal valuable stuff. Yeah. Not saying it's a serial killer, but I'm just saying. People do crazy things like that and not steal anything. Yeah. That's I definitely think somebody like tried to murder them. And so there's a huge list of just unresolved questions that I'm going to kind of read through. Uh, but it's just yeah. like, who erased Lisa Ann's camera, and why? And what happened to that picture of 509? Mm-hmm. Why won't Panamanian National Authorities release the girls' full autopsies? Mm. Can you release a full autopsy if you don't I have think all you, bones? Well, they haven't released like what they documented for the autopsy. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um... They never followed up on leads produced by their own forensic examiners. Examiners, um, and they never really launched a thorough investigation into other unresolved deaths and missing person cases in the area. Like they just kind of treated it as a one-off, didn't find anything, and gave up. Yeah, and then uh, it says, why do we not know whose fingerprints were on the digital camera and the phones? It says, we need to know who yeah. made the last phone calls to 911 and 112, and fingerprint analysis could have helped with that. They never took fingerprints from the phone. Um, says, the girls had warned other youngsters in the Bocas del Toro to not venture out alone without a guide, and they were known to be meticulous planners. So why did they themselves decide to go out alone on a wilderness hike? Says, or were they not alone after all? Ooh. And then, uh, why was the dog, who supposedly walked with them, never seen in any of their photographs? That's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Um. Huh says, why didn't the girls turn back after they placed their first emergency call? Which, like, maybe they were already lost on that, but... Yeah. Crazy. says, since they got into trouble so early in the trip, as evidenced by their emergency calls, how could they have fallen into a river 12 hours away? True. But... They obviously were doing a lot of walking, you know what I mean? A couple a week or so, you're walking a lot, you can mm. get a lot of places. Um 
says that why do the statements of all of the witness contra- uh, witnesses contradict the phone time evidence, which is like they got up there at um, 11 a.m. and that kind of thing from the taxi driver and the people that last saw them, contradicts what they're getting from the phone and from the camera. Why has the exact location of the 90 nighttime photos never been investigated and established? It says, why are there so many witnesses' statements off with the time where they stated to have seen the girls on April 1st? It's like, why are there so many people that are paying attention to them? And why, again, is the time off all of the time? Like people's time of when they see them isn't like adding up. Like yeah, it's, it's the same as other basically cases. what like every one of the witnesses is saying, and what's on the phones and the camera. So I wonder, like, if either somebody fucked with their phones or the phones don't make sense. The camera, my camera time isn't the right time. Like my. My actual like camera camera is not the same. But I don't time think that, that they're I'm going on. off of like time of like what's on the camera, and more of like time of the the photo Where? and how bright it is and that kind of thing. Okay. But maybe they are going off of if they're going off of the camera. But then even when they find it, if the time is lined up right. Okay, my question is, what about phone, phone like pictures off their phones? That is true. That hasn't said. They were smartphones. Um. Says how? You're telling me that no, those two fucking girls didn't take any pictures on their phones. Honestly, lies. crazy lies. And then it says, how come after five days alone in the wild, supposedly, did the girls? not simply memorize each other's cell phone pin codes. And that makes a lot of sense too. Like even if that you does. didn't know beforehand. Now's yeah, the now is the time to know. And then it said, did Lisa and Samsung phone ever get a correct pin code entered or not? It says considering all the phone ever tried to call were the two emergency numbers then those could have been reached without entering a pin code. So yep. why was somebody trying to get into the phone? Um, To delete to the delete pictures. pictures. To delete pictures and that we aren't being and shown. And those I think would be harder to find than um, like harder to recover than even the ones on the camera. Oh, I think they'd be easier to recover. The phone's photos? I feel like yeah. if you delete it and then you empty the trash, like, it's gone forever. I don't empty my trash and I delete it. But, like, if so. you're trying to hide shit? I don't think about it. No, like, if, like, somebody murdered them and was trying to hide yeah. it. Yeah. I just think a lot of times people are kind of stupid That's and they fair. wouldn't think about it. Um, do, 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 do. If they were lost for 11 days... How come nobody found them despite local natives living there and many people using the area behind the trail, not to mention the legions of searchers? And so it's like, at some point they should have been found. They weren't that far off of the trail where their remains were found. Um, says, 
Where is that ravine with photo proof of their remains or parts of their clothes or even markings on their shoes? Plus an explanation from the rescue teams about why they were never able to find that spot despite weeks of thorough searches and a team declaring that they were not there as every stone was turned. So like searchers went through that area and didn't find them or find the remains, which like maybe you can overlook it, but. But to not find them and then find them later. Yeah. Um, they found the remains very far away, though, too, didn't they? Yeah. Wait, this wasn't part of the main thing. But the taxi driver who dropped them off died later by accident. Like the last person to see them died by by accident. accident. Or killed himself. Because he knew something was up. I don't know. Um, It doesn't say how. Like that. It doesn't say the accident of Um, that caused his death. Osmond had. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, no. Uh, Osmond disappeared a few days after the girls were reported missing. He was later found to have died from drowning. Allegedly on his phone was the swimming photo, which there's much, which is where much of the speculation surrounding um, deaths related to the girls stem from. And there's a photo that they had of the girls swimming. Like swimming with the girls. Yeah. Um, so there's another picture that he had somewhere of both of them together. The I don't know if died. it's the same day. It, or it does not say it's the same day. It just could be around the same time. Oh, so like maybe he was maybe he out with like them. knew them before. Um, yeah. Oh, I still don't like that. But then there's were two other deaths that were like around the area around the same time um jose was another man that was killed that worked with osman and he was killed in a hit and run and um okay so those two osman and jose were um the ones that had like a swimming picture with them leonardo was the taxi driver that brought the girls to the train head and he was also found drowned the following year and it should be noted that the swimming photo has not been verified to be Chris and Lee Sand, but they just believe that it is. Okay. That's so weird. Um So yeah, like why that happened and why he had the photos of one of the girl of the girls matching the description. Um what made Lisanne's foot break off at the ankle and how come it still like wasn't decomposed when Chris's bones were bleached? Ooh, I didn't think about the decomposed part. Yeah. Yeah. It says, why were all their other remains aside from the small, um, it says, where are all the other remains aside from the handful of small bones? 
And then they found, and it says, why were their remains found so far from the summit of the trail and scattered around? Yeah, they were kind of scattered. They were all over the place, and it's just like, and like only little pieces. They got killed. By some who's out there just like living in the woods. And still has part of their remains for fun, I guess. Yeah. And then just put everything in random places just to literally throw people off. Because I know they're like, well, what? what's an explanation for this? Was so, There isn't one. He's just trying to throw people off. Yep. If yeah. This is a thing. He's just like, like, don't come for me. Uh, um, how come the cheap backpack that was said to have been floating in a wild river for weeks... But the electronics inside had no water damage and were still functional. And a pair of cheap sunglasses in it were still in a perfect state. Like, you would expect some shit to be broken or, like, so Rusty. And just, like, non-functional. Yeah. So, was the backpack planted? It was another question. Um, just because, like, why would everything be in such good condition? And then, um, how did the jean shorts from Chris get off, and why were their bras folded and packed in their backpack? Did they, in yeah. fact, go to the swim? And, um, as sources went swimming in without their bras, their bras and... just like in their underwear. Oh, I was thinking with their bras, and then their bra was wet, so they went braless Maybe. and wore a dry shirt. Um, says, and then their shorts and underpants were never found as well. One of the pairs of shorts and just like the rest of their clothes. Yeah. Or, and the rest of their, the rest of their bodies. Yeah. Like, did no, they, find they never found anything or? outside of a few little things. But yes, that is the end of my story and my questions. Damn. I think they were killed by a mountain person. Probably. And I'm guessing the picture was of them. That would be my only guess of just like trying to take a picture of somebody getting close to you and then just like running for the next few days. Yeah. It's weird about the taxi driver. Yeah. It's weird that, like, they died by drown. Two people could... close to it died by drowning. Yeah, and that could just be coincidence. I guess it, it is, is possible, possible but... but it's not nearly as fun. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Anywho. Well, if you guys want to share your thoughts with us, you can email us. At theweirdandsuspicious at gmail.com or on Instagram at theweirdandsuspicious or on Facebook at theweirdandsuspicious. Have a good night.